When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game Master Tips, number 17, Campaign Building with Wandering DM. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good. I haven't seen or talked to you in a whole few minutes. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, anybody watching uh, this episode of Game Master Tips, it's all about campaign building with Simon. You know him as Wandering DM. Uh, we just did uh, a live stream episode for the Cyberpunk Uncensored podcast where we did basically a crash course of everything Wandering DM, everything Simon. Um, so definitely check out that, that live stream. It's on the Cyberpunk Uncensored channel, and you can learn more about everything that he's done and is doing, um, just your experiences being a GM, and um, you're, you're hopeful to play more, um, all these little things that we went over in that episode. The one thing we didn't go over, which we, we kind of just chatted about, was your name. And uh, before we get into this, your process of campaign building, let's at least mention that because that is something that I think, like you said, should have been in the, in the, you know, Simon Wandering DM crash course that we just did. So let's just amend that here and let's just add that here. So how did you get the name Wandering DM and, and you know, tell that little story? Sure. Um, so for those of you who watched the, uh, um, the interview uh, a few minutes ago, uh, well, that would have been posted earlier, but uh, in that gap after the LARP for kids, and the streaming, um, I did a lot of jamming for hire, uh, where I would, you would basically invite me to your home to play a game of your choosing, uh, or a campaign or whatever. And um, so I would, you know, wander from house to house, playing different game, different adventures, uh, different settings for different people. It became uh, a lot of work for not a lot of money. Um, so I, I, I had to eventually find a, a more, uh, a, a sustainable job. Yeah. <laughs> but what was the name? The name with that, what originally you were going by DM for hire or, or, or you're saying you were doing as a DM for hire. I was doing as a DM for hire. And the name I didn't have came a... about. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the name came about because of the fact you were wandering around house to house DMing. That's, That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. That's cool. Um, so yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into your process of campaign building. Um, mm -hmm. Let's start at the very very beginning in the sense of you know we'll imagine you already have your players, they're ready to go, um, they've created their characters, right? Um, how do you start? Do you typically like to have a, a one on one session zero with each person player to get to know their characters? Do you do it as a group? Um, do you do that after you create the campaign or do you like to do that before you know what you're going to do with the campaign? Take me from the very beginning and let me know your process. Okay. So uh, it will often depend on the game that we're playing. Sometimes I will like to take them one by one and have like specific intros for each. But I'll go with the, um, like the usual how I do it. Uh, the first thing that I do... Once we have all the characters, we sit down around the table and we go through uh, a bit of world building. 
Now, I'm excluding from that any published adventures because the world building is already done in that instance. But any other game where we sit down and uh, I'll take, for example, Cyberpunk, um, we sit down, I have Night City. That's awesome. But I want to know what what are the places, um, what are the people, and what are the tools that are going to be recurring in the campaign? So what I do with the players, I ask them, of course, if I've gotten their backstories ahead of time and everything, I know about a few NPCs ahead of time and all that. Uh, but let's say I don't have any of this. So I sit down and we establish, I go with uh, you know, filmmaking um, vocabulary. So we establish the sets. Where are we going to film, quote unquote, this adventure? So what are the sets that you want to have in this game? What are essentially the places that are going to come up often. I'll give you an example. The players want a bar where they can hang out. Okay, well, instead of always being a different bar, which will force me to always come up with a different uh, description with different NPCs and all that, let's make it the same place. It's always that one bar. Like in a sitcom, it's always that same coffee house, like in Friends. So we'll, we'll use that one. Like in, okay, like so in that, real life, you'll have your favorite spot maybe you always go with your your friends you know yeah yeah and you'll probably go to a different place if your favorite place is closed but often you might just cancel your plans if you can't get there Mm -hmm. so we have your the sets so those are all the different places now who's present at these places who's on the set what's your cast and then i go with you know let's take again the bar there's a bartender okay full-time part-time if it's not that person who is it? Like, who else is it? Like, as a, a secondary, you know, if case my NPC gets killed type of thing. Yeah. Who will be the replacement? Uh, it, it's a bar. Does it have a bouncer? Yes. Okay. Who's the regular bouncer there? Do you know them? Do you, what are their, uh, and I often go for each NPC, I write in a dark secret. What is something that they're either ashamed of that happened to them or that they've done? And that the players can either use as leverage against them if they want to, or help them out with that. You know, once you start trusting someone, that person might confide in you, look, my brother's in jail. Um, I need to bail him out. He's been, you know, if we talk about uh, Night City, NCPD bagged him in for some random thing that, you know, wasn't a crime. I want to, I want to break him out of jail. That's cool. Well, that becomes a new job for the players, but like it doesn't come out of nowhere. Now that I know that this NPC, let's say it's the bouncer, the bouncer has that secret. Well, then he might start to drop hints here and there in conversation as the player gets to know him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the players uh, hacked into the prison database for something completely unrelevant and they discovered the name. Hey, wait, that prisoner has the same last name as the bouncer of the bar we go to. Are they related? Oh, shit, they're related? Okay, well, maybe I can come up to the bar, the, the bouncer and say, hey, by the way, we get free drinks for life here and we bail your brother out of jail. Whoa, how did you know I had the brother in jail? Well, blah, 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 blah. So each yeah. NPC has a secret. I like that too because uh, it's almost uh, a little bit of reverse engineering and that's kind of fun in the sense that, you know, a GM doesn't always have to just um, – you know, lay out the NPCs within, you know, the sets or whatever, or the locations that they're doing. 
and then wing that interaction based on what players do, you can kind of preset these, like you said, dirty secrets or information or things that maybe each NPC has going on. And that's within them. It's not evident. It's not, you know, they're not wearing it on their sleeve or whatever, but it allows you. Um, so if they decide to interact with that person or with this person, you can drop these little seeds into the campaign that makes sense for them. Like you said, like maybe a clue or something like if it's the, the same last name and what they saw in that file and now it's their favorite bouncer, you know, the bouncer at their favorite bar. I think that's really cool kind of presetting, um, I don't know, these little uh, Easter eggs or seeds of information or hints or things within the NPCs prehand. I think that's really cool. And it's a great way to avoid uh, getting stumbled up, especially new GMs where maybe, uh, you know, like, like you said earlier, maybe they, they end up killing that bartender or they die, you know, get caught in crossfire or something. And you're like, oh shit, let me make a new one real quick. Got to think of a name, got to think of how they are. And like, you know, you might get caught off guard as a new GM um, with some of these things. And I like how you kind of plan that out, you know, not mm-hmm. just the information within each NPC, but maybe a backup NPC or things like, you know, they're not working 24 seven. Who's the night shift? Who's this? And I don't know, building that prehand. That's, that's smart. That's cool. And even you know if you're if you're talking with a more like fantasy uh, in a fantasy game, let's let's turn the bar into a tavern, right? I have my tavern owner, the dude behind the bar, and or the the lady or whoever behind the bar, they get killed for some reason. Hey, guess what? That waiter that we had, let's say it's a um, uh, dwarven uh, dwarven woman in her thirties. Well, A, she's been working there all her life. She's not a new tavern owner. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to come up with a new NPC or anything. It's that character that you knew that you probably didn't even know their name before. It was just a face in the crowd. Maybe I described them in a sentence at some point, but now they're there. And it feels like this world is a little more lived in because of that. Oh, yeah. So I do sets, I do cast, and then I do props. Props are items, objects that the players have that help define their character. It's the thing that they're always going to be seen with. But it's also the thing that becomes sacrosanct to them. I, as a GM, cannot destroy that thing, that object, that prop, I should say, because it's not necessarily an object. I cannot take it away without the player agreeing to it. So, for example, um, in our cyberpunk uh, campaign right now, one of the prop is Dutch, the cat. Uh, our solo has a cat who's uh, their uh, sort of like um, um, comfort companion. That they're um, wow, lost lost the word. Um, yay. Uh, basically they're, you know, they have PTSD and that animal is the one. They're their therapy uh, animal or whatever. Thank you. Uh, So I cannot, you know, even if the building explodes, somehow Dutch the cat comes out alive. They have one item like that. And it's never, if we talk D&D, it's never going to be like an armor or a magic weapon or, or whatever. It's something else. It's a a trinket, a bauble, but that, you know, when you see the character, you will see them either playing with it or talking to it or fidgeting with it, Mm -hmm. something. And it informs you who that character is. And if that thing disappears, so for example, um, let's say Dutch the Cat again, 
uh, Reno the Solo gets kidnapped, for example. Player can't make it to a game. We decide that for a fun one-shot thing, hey, guess what? She gets kidnapped. Well, what is going to clue the players about it is that Dutch will be there and you know will act erratically or something because it's not the prop is not found with yeah with the, the player yeah yeah uh, so it can be it can be a book it can be a diary it could be um, anything really that it would be strange to see that character without well, and I, that prop yeah and I love like how you said it's not you know, it's not something like armor or a weapon or a gun in cyberpunk or, you know, whatever. It's not something that's part of, you know, the action side of it per se. I feel like these are fun things that really uh, encourage role-playing from players. It really adds to the story side of it versus the action and rule side. It's more um, immersive by having those things, I feel, because then you're like, I don't know, you're reacting and acting and role-playing you know, within those items or those things that make it, make you, you or the character, whatever it is, or the NPC, whatever it is without having to like, I don't know, be rule heavy or take an action or enter combat or, you know what I mean? It, it kind of pushes things more role playing. That's, that's really cool. And that's also a good tip for uh new GMs too, new players, all that, all that side, like something like that, I think could kind of help influence and encourage your players and yourself to, to role play more and be more into the role playing side of it too. So that's really cool. But yeah, go on. Um, so those are the three steps that we go through. Normally, I will do at the very least one set per player. So if I have five players, we're going to have at least five locations. Then we're going to do for each location one or more NPCs per player. So I don't have a whole cast of, you know, a hundred NPCs. To, <laughs> though I, I, did, I did do it in a fantasy game where we actually built an entire village. Uh, okay. A town of a thousand inhabitants, and oh I didn't have a thousand NPCs, but I did have like fifty some odd NPCs. With uh, I, I literally needed a diagram to connect like who with who and what were their stories wow. between. But that was fun. The whole game though was just we were doing a slice of life game where you just played in the world. Hell yeah. Uh, it was inspired by the video game uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. So it's just, hey, you're a regular person in a medieval village. You go about your medieval life. You do, you're going to do stuff. You get the, the village was, um, you know, there was a monster in the woods. And, um, and how, do you, how do you react to a monster in the woods if you're a tanner? The game is not the same. If it was yeah. D&D, you'd be like, oh, we'll take the party together, go in the woods, kill the monster, come back. But then in that case, it was like, okay, well, it took it took about like four sessions for them to come up with the courage to just go in the woods. <laughs> Nobody wanted to. And they had to be equipped and they had to ask the, the blacksmith if he was able to make weapons for them and everything and try to you know well the blacksmith can make a weapon but he doesn't have the funds necessarily because you're not rich enough for a sword so you're going to do a favor for him and blah 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 and so i had to have all of these npcs uh wow. laid out ahead of time but uh yeah so sets one per player npcs cast one or more within reason props one per player uh that's my my minimum of course, some character concepts might require more than one prop or more than one cast. Um, that happens. And with that, now I sit down 
and I enter it all in a wiki. I've discovered a very cool wiki recently uh, that uh, David from High Shelf Gaming introduced me to called Legend Keeper. Um, and I use that to basically input all of my notes in it. And what's fun is that it's collaborative, but as a GM, you can also hide parts of the wiki from the players. Oh, nice. And so, Or you can have them shown just to one player. So if that one player knows a lot about a certain NPC because they've lived with them, for example, or whatever, well, here's the public page. Maybe there's like two lines of notes and a picture. But then for this other player, it's, you know, three pages long of all that they know about them. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then I have the map of where we're going to play, where the players can put pins on it with notes, like their own campaign notes. Uh, it helps a lot with recaps because everything's all there in the open. So we always remember or it makes it easier to remember what happened the previous uh, the previous game. I didn't have it for my cyberpunk game. Um, that I'm running on stream right now. So it's still in a Word document because that was my old way of doing things. And that's why you'll see me a lot on stream trying to go through my notes because I have pages upon pages of things and, you know, control effing and trying to find like an NPC name that I've used, you know, five weeks ago and don't remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that happens a lot. But uh, yeah, when we uh, when we did Cyberpunk, the set that we created was the apartment because we were playing with the Jumpstart Kit, the first the apartment uh, adventure, and I wanted more than just the NPCs that were present there. So I had the entire group come up with other tenants. Nice, and that's how some of the like more uh, recurring faces, like Barry Showalter, uh, like Mrs. B, or uh, well, the Andersons are already in uh, uh, the game book there was uh there was another one well dr carver we expanded upon dr carver who's just supposed to be the ripper doc like if you need someone to patch you up right but now it's become more important uh, through the use of the system of set and cast yeah i love that i think that's really cool to uh also basically kind of i don't know have it organized like that i know a lot of uh you know gms and dms might lay out a campaign that they're going to do they'll have their story they know kind of the locations but they won't you know inhabit it with the key npcs that maybe are going to stick you know they'll have all their background actors and things and maybe the main ones that they're going to interact with that are key to the campaign but to actually like embed it in like what you were saying like okay here's the bartender or here's the bouncer he actually has this little tidbit of information um, that if the players dig or talk to, they might be able to find out. It kind of goes with this other campaign they did where they know this guy got arrested or whatever it is, you know, for the sake of conversation. But I really like, um, you know, you pre-planting these little points of evidence or information or things um, in the NPCs within it. I think that's cool. And I think that allows, like I said, especially new GMs to not have to think so much on the fly, which you're going to have to do anyways, you know. But if you can eliminate some of that, some of that work it makes it makes it easier you know so i think that's really cool and it also helps a lot with uh you know when your players are stumped and they don't know where to go they don't know what to do and the game sort of slows down to a crawl and you're there behind your gm screen trying to come up with okay what can i do to make them like pick a, a clue or pick a path right. or do something um 
And then you can just have that NPC with that, you know, secret come in and be, you know, suddenly, of course, it's a bit of a coincidence, but they suddenly overhear maybe a part of the conversation that the PCs were having. And, oh, hey, wait, you're, you're adventurers, you're night runners. I might have something for you. And then you've just created this one-shot side adventure that might get them. And then, you know, once they start going through it, uh, maybe you end a session partway through or whatever. And that gives you a few more, like a few more hours, a bit more time to like seed other hooks in there so that they come back around into the main adventure yeah, um, I was gonna... afterward. If you want to do. Yeah, no, definitely. And, th- and then th- th- I think that's a good point to make too, is not losing sight of the opportunity to kind of encourage these little side arc stories or little side campaigns or sessions because it just adds to the bigger campaign. As long as, like you said, you can tactfully hook them back to the main story. You know, you got to bring them back. Don't lose lose sight of what you've already been doing, you know. But I think that's that's a good point to be made is that, you know, GMs don't be scared to kind of take that other little side path for a moment and have a couple fun sessions on this little tangent of story, especially if it connects to a, a previous thing like like what you said as an example, like say it's a bouncer that has the same last name of someone that they know got locked up for something by this corp or whatever it is, you know, and then all of a sudden there's like a little connection there. And even if you have to make it a coincidence, you know, that the, maybe the bouncer overheard and maybe they interject, they, the players didn't, uh, you know, sort it out or whatever, but maybe he dropped a hint or, Hey, I overheard you saying that, you know, my brother's locked up there. Oh shit. Oh yeah. We actually met him. And then all of a sudden it starts happening. But I did want to say, cause you do make the point of, if you do on that side path, you got to bring them back to the main story, obviously. Um, when you're setting up your campaign and you have, you know, your settings, you know, the locations you're going to involve in this campaign from beginning to end, kind of what you're going to use. You've placed your, your NPCs and the main things that they're going to know or have going on. You've got all the, the characters that your players are running with their, you know, life path things or their item or their details, you know. When you're laying this out, do you like to kind of come up with your story first? Like, would you, for instance, for the sake of this conversation, would you maybe come up with like, okay, you know what? I want them to be hired by a corporation, um, you know, to go get this file or information from a different corporation that they're enemies with or something. Just for the sake of this conversation, I'm just coming with this stupid little cheesy thing, you know, but um you could, would you come up with like that story first and then come up with the locations and NPCs and things to have that make sense? Or do you like to kind of think, you know, reverse engineer that in the sense of, Hey, I've got these maps. I, I kind of want to do something in these cool locations that I thought of, or I've got this idea for an NPC I want to incorporate and you'll lay out the settings, the, the players, you know, the actors or whatever, you know, in film terminology, do you lay that out and then drop in the story? Okay, now how can I make that work? Oh, I got it. A corporation's going to hire them to get this file from another corporation. You know what I mean? Which comes first for you? Um, it's it's strange. The first thing that comes to me is the theme. What do I want the game to be about? What do I want to explore? And then from that, and I often don't even tell the players about it. I will take what the players give me and see, okay, so the game is going to be about, for example, let's say, losing one's humanity, and what does it mean? I have all of these players. I have all of these different characters. They gave me wonderful uh, backstories. Then I'm going to take all that, and I'm going to see, okay, well, in this optic of losing one's humanity, 
how would these characters, how would these NPCs react to maybe an exterior story that happens, something they see in the news that kicks off everything? And that, of course, you know, the theme is never going to be super obvious, um, but it might inform a bit of what the introductory, like the first mission they go on. Um, what I'll do for the first adventure or the first quest or what have you is I look at the backstories of everyone and I pick one that gave me inspiration right away. So, okay, this this part, like IEC for Reno, I like that. I like that this person has a more, um, like as a, a, a stereotypical cyberpunk hook in their background, but it doesn't play out like, oh, this mega corporation is gunning after me. And like, you're, you're a nobody. Why, why would they? So, oh, this is a little more local. Oh, this is fun. Okay, well, I can tie that with that other bigger thing that I have. Oh, and then I start, you know, connecting the dots slowly. And in the end, it makes an, an adventure that doesn't really have a main quest. But that everything that happens in the sandbox is linked to that greater theme. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. So you'll kind of, instead of coming up with like the exact campaign or storyline or like mission or whatever the role play is within that, you like to come up with kind of the theme of that campaign first. Whether it be, you know, questioning your humanity or empathy or maybe maybe you're going to be more combat heavy or maybe it's... You know, whatever it is, you like to come up with kind of the theme first. And then then do you kind of define the story to fit that theme? Or do you kind of, you know what kind of the theme is and kind of, I don't know, how, how you want to present the world to players to see how they react and do within that theme. Then do you place your locations, NPCs, and then define the story that can fit yep. within that theme? Or do you, or do you like to define the story... And then the locations and NPCs to fit within that story. Um, I do the locations and NPCs first. Oh, okay. Because in my mind, the world exists regardless of whether I inject a theme or an idea into it. Night City will always exist. Farron will always be there. It's It was there before. It's there as I'm taking it and making it mine. But I like to think that the people there have their lives have the things that they do. I'm just going to throw a rock at the status quo. Yeah. But I need to establish what it was beforehand. So that's why I'm going to have my locations, my NPCs done before I do anything. Nice. And then I might just take that one NPC and be like, well, you, I'm going to flip your life upside down. And that's going to start, you know, that's going to be a trickle. That's going to start a ripple that's eventually going to affect the characters. Now, how are they going to react to that? And what what are they going to do in light of what's happening? So you, you'll typically like to use an NBC as kind of like a catalyst to your story then is what you'll do. So you'll have that world, which obviously is, it already exists. Like you said, it's there. Um, so you, you'll like to kind of, once you have your theme, you'll have the sets, you know, the NPCs, the actors that are going to be within the world. But then you like to sometimes, like, w once you have the locations and then you know the story within that theme in those locations for the players to interact with. Obviously, like you said, it's, an, it's a sandbox. It's an open world. So anything can happen within that. But you, you typically might use an NPC 
as a catalyst to kind of, I don't know, make some of that happen, whether it be, like we said earlier, a coincidence in them overhearing a conversation and maybe they interject something to give a little direction, a little nudge, you know? Is that how you like to do it typically, like uh, use NPCs with that? It's, yeah, by uh, it, not necessarily a single person as an NPC. Sometimes it's a group, an organization. Um, it could be a, um, it's rare that I do location-based things. Uh, you have often, like, you're going to get, like, published adventures that are location-based. Oh, you get into this place. This place has a lot of trouble. You're going to fix all the problems in here, but, like, nothing is going to lead you outside of that location. Once it's right. done, it's done, and that's it. Adventure over, close the book. Um, I prefer to have uh, things that are more event-based or people-based because I feel like... Um, once you do people-based or event-based, so either something that happened to a single person or that happened to a group of people or the opposite, a group of people or a single person did something, you know, created an event that sparks the campaign. Um, if the catalyst for this moves away, give you an example, um, I don't know, a, a big bad comes into the uh, player's hometown they wreck the place by ruining the economy by buying out i don't know whatever local thing that the village was known for or the town was known for or whatever mm -hmm. uh they wreck everything that riles up the players they want to go after that person that person decides once you know their job is done they move out to a different country to a different kingdom whatever well, then now that you've got your PCs riled up, they're going to fix the problems in their hometown, you know, location-based adventure. But it's not location-based. It's event-based. The event was that person came in, wrecked right. everything, left. So the PCs will often naturally want to chase that person. If that person moved, then they're going to move with them. Mm -hmm. And now you have, you know, a travel-based adventure where they're chasing away, they're chasing after the bad guy. Um, and sometimes the bad guy can have moved farther away and they're just left to deal with all the consequences as they move along. Um, that can also be if we take in um, Night City with Cyberpunk, the villain doesn't have to have moved physically to a different location in the world. Maybe they were promoted in their company yeah. and now they own, they have a lot more resources Oh, well, that person who was just a middle manager at the start of the game, we couldn't get them arrested or we couldn't kill them without suffering, you know, big consequences because we were nobodies at the time. We didn't have the rep for it. Now they've gone on, they moved up and they're CEO of a mid-sized corp. Shit, now they have access to like private security. Yeah. Now they come after us. We're going to have to protect ourselves first. There, you have the second part of your campaign. The players decide to establish a hidden base that they can be protected in, that they can defend. And then maybe that person comes after them as retaliation for what they did in the first part. Yeah. And then the players are going to want to, because of course the players are going to want to retaliate. Um, and then you have your whole adventure that rolls out by itself. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think with, that's important too for, for GMs to really, so you're not just so locked into like location based, which is very typical. Like, like you said, you know, you'll read, you know, whether it's the apartment in the apartment, you know, like there's just the one example, but 
there's hundreds like that, you know, any, any of these modules and they'll be very location based, but I like your, um, that little tip or a piece of advice for a GM too, like within that NPC or that enemy, that boss or whoever it is, you know, if it is location based, like you're after this corp guy and you know, like that's where his office is and he's in this, he's middle management, he's stuck in that building. That's where you're going to get him. But within that time, like you said, maybe he gets promoted. So now like, you know, he, he's, flying around to the different locations, you know, running different groups within the corporation, you might have to catch him at his favorite restaurant or his penthouse suite in this city, or while he's on this cruise over here, taking a little mini vacation to some private uh, little synthetic island thing where he's like lounging with his family. You know, I really like that. And and it encourages, um, you know, a GM not to just make it that rut where, you know, every session, every campaign is just a location, get the job done there, get out go to that location, get the job done, get out. You can kind of get stuck in that because it's very typical. So I really like that as a tip. Like, uh, you know, the NPC doesn't necessarily just have to be a catalyst to the story, but actually to the campaign itself in the sense of locations and sets and things, you know? Because you can, like you said, have him get promoted to the point where he has more access. Or like in that in that, that uh, sort of D&D reference example that you gave, like, you know, he's he's got done tearing up that village. He He you know, looted and pillaged and got what he needed out of it and destroyed. Now he's moving on to the next one, you know, and it allows them to, yeah, you want to fix up your town, but goddamn, you want to get some revenge on that dude. And like, you're going to start traveling, you know? So that's, that's really cool. And I think that's a good tip for, uh, for GMs to keep in mind, um, that that catalyst can kind of change. And, and, and if it is NPC based, it kind of gives you a little more diversity. Um, I kind of like that. I like that a lot. Um, any other, you know, and I think we kind of laid it out from start to end there. Are there any other random tips that come to mind or that you wanted to mention or that we didn't cover um, within campaign building or just in general, GMing in general. Cause like, you know, I love to do these episodes about your process of campaign building. I think it's important for new GMs that want to create their own and every GM has different methods and tips and ways to do it. But aside from that, just generally speaking, um, is there anything else that, uh, that comes to mind um, for a new, for a new GM? Listen to your players they are often the best uh, GMs for themselves. They will let you know what they want to have in the game. Th- they might not say it out loud, but you're going to see if a player always tries to pick a fight with people, maybe it's time to actually have a fight occur. Maybe they want to use whatever shiny items you gave them. I'm not going to, you know, cyber up my character in cyberpunk just to have them stay in an office nine to five. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. If I have a pocket rocket launcher, I want to blow someone up and let me blow someone up, please. Um, But yeah, so and often the players will the players often have uh, these weird theories conspiracy theories that they come up with during the game because of course they don't have all the information that you have as a GM. And often what they come up with might be better than what you did. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid to scrap. Anyway, if you haven't shown it to a player, it never existed. Exactly. So don't be afraid to take, you know, I was talking about the dirty secrets earlier. Don't be afraid to take that dirty secret from one NPC and just leave it, like, leave it on a page elsewhere. Like, leave it in your notes elsewhere. That's going to be for another NPC at some time, at some point in time. And use whatever the players came up with for that NPC instead. Oh, yeah. Now they, aha, we were right. So 
we were on the right track. And that will often motivate them to keep going because there's nothing more frustrating as a player to never have gotten anything right. Right. To always feel like you're not getting it. Yeah. It's always like there's a missing piece. There's always. And it feels the players will know when the GM comes in with a deuce ex machina. Like they're always missing a piece of the puzzle and you always give them the last one. They're going to know that that's your MO from that point on. And they might not, they might like it. They might not like it. They might, I find it personally, uh, boring in a way because it's like, well, I sit here, cross my arms, twiddle my thumbs and wait until you give me the piece because you'll give it to me anyway. So might as well, you know, listen to your players. They'll come up with interest, interesting theories and things that you can use in your notes, uh, in your game yeah. to further like their fun. Because that's what we wanted to have at the end of the day. It's to have fun. Exactly. Um, no, and I think, it, I think the great tip there that you said at the beginning of it was not just listening to the players. Um, but I think the way to put it is like reading in between the lines, you know, it's not necessarily that the player is going to tell you directly like, Hey, I really want to like use my gun more. I really want to do some more combat. Like just for an example, like you mentioned earlier, you kind of have to read in between the lines. If you notice that they're constantly picking fights or trying to make that type of gameplay, well, fuck, give them that type of gameplay once in a while, you know, like you got to kind of, like you said, listen to the players and it might not always be so obvious or a direct conversation from the player. You might have to kind of read in between the lines or pick up on the way that they're role playing, the way that they're, you know, playing their character. And you can kind of pick up on the little intricacies on the way that they're doing that to know what type of gameplay that they, they enjoy the most or what they want at least at that moment, because it can change time to time. But, um, but I think that's a great tip, you know, GMs listen to your players and, uh, you know, read in between the lines. And I, I've said this before. I think I did it on, on uh, the Patrick uh, Knaus episode from Two Brothers Gaming. There was another one I did with uh, my buddy Phil, who's a GM under the Cyberpunk Uncensored brand. And now you just mentioned it, too. I think it's a, it's a common thing, and I want to reiterate it is, as a GM, you may come up with a badass campaign and story and all these twists, and you think it's genius. And it is, and it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. You're amazing, whoever's watching this. But, um, but players will always put a twist on it. They're going to think of something you didn't think of. They might hear something that you laid out and see it from a different angle that you never thought of. And all of a sudden they come up with a twist to the plot or an idea you didn't plan on. And most of the time it's going to be better than what you thought of because of the fact that they're looking at it from that, I don't want to say an ignorant point of view, not in a negative way, but they're just in the dark. They don't know what you've created in this elaborate campaign. So they're trying to figure it all out and fill the gaps and, they're going to maybe twist it up deeper and cooler than you thought. And don't be scared of that to, you know, know you're wrong. This is actually what's going on. Like, hell, that's a good, like in your head, you should be like, damn, that's a good idea. I didn't think of that. You know what? That is what's going on as a matter of fact. Uh, and just lean into it, you know, pretend like that's what was going on. You know, you, you don't reveal it. You don't say, no, this is what I had. And now I'm going to change it to this. Act like that's what it was. Lean into it. Make it a better story if that's the case. And, you know, maybe the, the players will appreciate that on the role-playing side of things because then, like, like you were saying, uh, you know, they'll feel like, hey, I was right about that. Oh, I figured that out. That was twisted and I figured that part out. Okay, cool. And now they're more 
um, invested in it, you know, because they feel like they're figuring it out and then they're, they're, they'll keep digging and it just gets better that way. But I think th- those are some great points. Listen to the players, read in between the lines, lean into their ideas. Don't be scared of them. Mm. And great. <laughs> another tip that I have for new GMs, uh, there's so no matter how long you've been GMing, I've been doing it for over 20 years. You're always, always anxious before a game. You always feel like you've underprepped. And none of us know what we're doing. Even if it's been a week, even if it's been, you know, years that you've been doing it, it's always the same thing. Some things will get easier over time. But, you know, a curveball from a player is a curveball from a player. We all look through our notes, go like, oh, shit, okay, wait, um, mm, I have to, like, that's going to happen. That's always going to happen. You don't, don't stress it. Yeah. Don't, it's, yeah. It, I think I that's th- a good, yeah, good point to make is, you know, just even as experienced as you are, as I am, as other GMs are, uh, it never, you, you never stop, ha- like, before you play, having that little anxiety, because you are in that spotlight. You're the GM. So new GMs, don't, don't let that you know, hold you back or or intimidate you or make you so nervous you don't want to do it. Like, just understand, like, that's normal. That is completely normal. Just, you know, get past anxiety. Players are going to throw curveballs, you know. And like you said, as time goes on, as you get more experienced, those curveballs are easier to catch. You know, you you just, you have your methods that you kind of develop over time. I just did an episode of Game Master Tips where I kind of talk about that. It's quick reaction, something I call positive-negative. I used to do it back in the day a lot. I don't as much anymore because I'm just quicker with the curveballs I get thrown. But back in the day, I kind of created this system where I was like, okay, if something gets thrown at me, they all of a sudden talk to a background actor and make them an NPC or they, they engage in this item that was just supposed to be this background item and now I've got to make it something or they're pursuing this information I didn't think they were going to. Instead of being, ah, what do I do? What do I do? And getting stumbled up, I'll quickly roll some dice. If it lands on a positive number or a negative number, I know that's the direction I'm going. So like if they're, okay, they're going to talk to that background guy. I didn't, I didn't plan on that, that guy to actually talk to them. I roll the dice. Okay. It's going to be negative. Yeah. That dude's just giving you dirty looks. He doesn't want to talk to you. You're, he, he notices that you're wearing like, you know, the colors you're wearing, or maybe it's a gang he doesn't like or something. You know? So like, I'll think of something negative to that. Or if it's a positive, they try to talk to him. He, he actually like, he's like, oh shit. Yeah. You're so-and-so aren't you? He actually thinks he recognizes you. He's being really friendly to you. He wants to buy you a drink. He's a little buzzed and so that's something to help GMs too. Um, and I did a whole episode about it is if you do get stuck up, which is going to happen, every GM gets anxiety starting and then those curveballs are going to come. You're going to stumble at least a moment. Um, there's a little something at least to shake you out of that, that sticky moment. If you do get stuck, just flip a coin, roll a dice. If it's positive, negative, heads or tails, whatever, at least just go in that direction. It'll at least kind of, I don't know, help you think of something or at least get you moving again. Um, but I totally know what you mean. It happens you know, all the time. I just think that, um, you know, over the years, and you probably see it too, now that you're as experienced as you are, um, you deal with those curveballs a little easier, you know, than you did back in the day. Yeah, but that's that's just, normal. you know, yeah, it's experience. It's having done it over and over again that at some point it becomes like a, a, like a motor reflex almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to add to that, uh, it doesn't work with stream games. But in home games, non-stream games, don't be afraid to take a break. Don't be afraid to like pause the game, say, hey, you know what? 
I like that. I didn't think that you were going to... Uh, I'll give you a, a concrete example. My players in a game decide to go to a bathhouse. It was supposed to just be a quick, you know, rest scene. They go to a bathhouse. They, they smell like shit for days. They relax. <laughs> they leave. Um, but then someone talked to an NPC. And uh, they said something about, like, how come there's nobody else working here? Because I, as a GM, completely forgot to have more than one person working. They're like, I think the question was, like, how do you, how do you clean your baths? And I was like, I, I don't fuck. And then I thought real quick about it. Oh, that's because the other employee called in sick. Okay, yeah. Uh, he didn't show yes. up to work. And I thought the conversation would end there. No, they kept going. Okay, but why didn't he show up? And I said, you know what? Give me a few minutes. I'm going to come up with something really cool. And I quickly created a side adventure, which lasted two other sessions. Nice. <laughs> uh, two of actually finding this person and uh, realizing that they, they didn't show up because they were uh, kidnapped. And they were kidnapped because nice. over the course work they like overheard a conversation blah 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 and that led to and now you know we're many multiple sessions down the line and they still remember the bathhouse scene yeah Fuck, and yet we it was just... so like improv you know yeah. that's cool i i paused the game for you know 15 minutes to get like a map out to get you know npcs stuff like that get everything ready and then we kept going and you know months after the fact they still talk about it yeah. So taking that break from the game is not going to make your friends not like or not enjoy the game any further. Quite the opposite. It might mean that multiple sessions down the line, they are still going to talk about it. Yeah. And now they're afraid of taking a break. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I love that. You know, that's a great tip for GMs and you know, new and new and old GMs. You know, don't be scared to. Just pause for a moment. If, if you're getting a curveball, you're going on a tangent mission or something came up and it's just unexpected, take a breath, take a pause and, and, and make that as good as it should be. You know, don't feel like, oh, shit, I'm getting a curve. Oh, let me just come up with a quick answer. Okay, yeah, no, you go there and nothing happens. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you'll feel forced to like make that reaction quick sometimes, you know, and I think that the advice you're giving here is not everything has to be a quick reaction. Like sometimes don't be scared to, Hey, you know, that that's an interesting idea or this is an interesting direction you guys are going in. Give me about 10 minutes. Take a break. Talk amongst yourselves for the next 10 to 15. Let me organize some things and make this cool. That's a great tip. I love that. Yeah. Now, I'd love to end on that unless you have something else to interject. I think we covered a lot of great tips. And what I really liked about you doing this episode is, it, like I said, it wasn't just your process of campaign building with a few tips within that. But I think we touched on some some general uh, GM tips, which I think are useful outside of just the campaign building, but just in being a GM. And I think that's really cool and useful. And um, it also shows me that if you're open to it, I'll hit you up sometime soon. I'd love to have you, you know, on, a, on another episode of GM tips to talk about a couple other subjects I have in mind we'll talk about in the near future. And maybe on one of the actual like podcast episodes, I'd love to um, kind of uh, have you on to talk about some fun things with the role playing side of things, just because you have such experience with so many different systems and games and years of it, you know, I'd love to have you back if you're, if you're down with it. I really enjoy talking to you about this stuff. I, I would love to awesome. honestly.
in. Make sure you check out the links in the description. Make sure you look up Wandering DM and see everything that he's got going on. He has a lot going on. Definitely check out the Cyberpunk Uncensored podcast episode that we did um, where we go over his history of role-playing, everything that he's doing with streaming and everything upcoming. And um, and yeah, I think I think we covered everything. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, everyone show us some support. Uh, any any last words before I kill the transmission? Um, honestly, just you know what? Go out, play, have fun. That's that's what matters the most, anyway. Hey, that's the number one rule: have fun. You know, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah! Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks everybody tuning in, and we'll see you guys soon. Take care.